Hey, this is Caleb Clay, Associate Pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, Georgia. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We believe that it will minister to you and be a blessing to your life. Now get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I want to minister tonight. I guess if we were titling it, I would title it Expecting the Unexpected. Expecting the Unexpected. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about faith around here, and that's really what an expectation is. Faith is a confident expectation, it's a belief that we will see God perform His word. In our lives, I heard someone define it once that faith is just simply taking God at His word. And when we live and operate by faith, we live and act and respond and even speak like God's word is true. And I think that it's an ongoing uh, challenge in our lives. I don't want to say struggle. The Bible tells us that we're to walk by faith, it says the just shall live by faith. So, uh, it should become a lifestyle, amen? It, ultimately, faith uh, should be embodied in every believer. And in fact, that's how we come into the kingdom of God. But when we have these expectations, um, a lot of times faith can become confusing and faith can become conflicted and uh, reconciling an outcome versus what we were believing for can sometimes be difficult, and so I want to speak towards that today, and let's see what the Lord has to say. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15, therefore I also, after I heard of your faith, everyone say faith, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, church that he planted, church that he started, cared, cared very much for this church, just as much as, or just as so as we saw last week with the church of Philippi. And it says in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That means that there's some things that I don't know that he wants me to know. That means there's some things he's wanting to reveal to me. There's some things he's wanting to show me. And as I'm walking with the Lord and as I'm progressing uh, in my relationship and in my walk with God, there's gonna be some enlightening that's gonna take place by the Holy Spirit, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Now look at this in verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Everyone say power. Of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Everyone say power. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power 
and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet. He gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I want to back up there to verse 19 real quick. We want to hone in on this verse. We want to look at another passage and then break this down. In verse 19, it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ? Those two words, power, are two different words in the original translation. I know in our English, the way that we translated it, we use the same word power twice, but it's not really the same word power twice. It's, it's two different words. The first power that we see here is, is the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis is where we get our word dynamite. It means forceful. Uh, it means miraculous power. Uh, so it's speaking uh, more of like a dynamic work. Speaking of of, of a uh, strength, if you will. It's speaking of, of a power that, that changes things. But the second word, power down here, according to the working of his mighty power, this is a different word. This word actually means authority. It means power in the sense, not of effort or strength or uh, something that necessarily changes something, but it's something that controls something. It's speaking of a power like as if a king were in power. And so we have to understand the, the, the two different translations here to understand the power of God that Paul is speaking to that the believer can see operate in his life. That we can only operate in the power or the effort, the ability, the strength according to the level of authority that we recognize. I'll say that again. You can only operate in the power, the first power is translated strength or effort or ability. I can only operate in the strength according to the level of authority that I recognize I walk in. The believer has authority. The believer has been given Authority. We could take you back to Genesis chapter one. When God created man, he created man and he gave him dominion or gave him authority over the earth. But the, 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 the problem is, is my ability to exercise power is limited by my knowledge of the authority that I possess on my life or that God has put in my life. And so I have to grow in my knowledge, just as he said, that the eyes of my understanding have to become enlightened. He's praying that the church would spiritually become aware of something so that we could naturally see things operate and change in our lives. It starts in the spirit realm. And notice, notice he, he's praying that the Holy Spirit will reveal it. See, this is the thing. You don't come to church for me to tell you about the Bible. You come to church for me to present the word of God to you. But unless you get in tune with the Holy Spirit yourself, there are some things that you will remain in the dark on. 
And there are some things that have to be revealed to you. And Paul, he, think about it. He could have just written a book and said, I want to tell you all about your authority. And I want to tell you all about the power of God. But that's not what he writes. He says, I'm praying because I could explain it all day long and you still not get it. But I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will reveal this to you. I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will, will drop within your spirit what this authority of the believer really looks like. Because I could explain this. I could spell it out for you. I could, I, I, I could, I could notate it, give you a, a three-point outline, man, define every word here. But unless the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to this, you won't see it. So he's, first of all, he's praying that their eyes of understanding would be open. What is the exceeding greatness? This is the thing I love about God. You'll, you'll never convince me otherwise He's better than we think. He's better than we think. I mean, we just sang, great are you, Lord. Great are you. I mean, we, we just sang that. We, we, just, we just, you know, whether you knew what you were singing, whether you meant it as you were singing it, whatever, we, we just sang about the greatness of God. But the thing is, is there is an exceeding greatness of God. There's a greatness of God that, that we will never be able to know, never be able to fathom, never be able. He's that good. Now, I don't, I don't know what in your life you think is good. It might be a flavor of ice cream. It might be a particular restaurant. Uh, it, it might be going to a ball game. It might, being around, might be being around a certain person. I don't know. But, but things are limited in, in their ability to be good. But God is not limited in his goodness. He is an exceeding great God. But he says that the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who what? Believe. So that means that my faith here or my expectation we're gonna talk about can become a limiter of the goodness I experience. I'll say that again. The expectation that I have can become a limitation of the goodness I experience. He says, the exceeding greatness, so there's plenty of it, there's no shortage of greatness, of his power toward us who believe. Now I know we, we have verses like, God is not a respecter of persons, and I know that we have this, this thought and idea that God's just pouring things out on people at random and at will, and, and he just wants everybody, and he does. The Bible says that he wants none to perish, not one. But will some perish? Absolutely. Will some uh, depart from this earth without ever making Jesus, confessing Jesus the Lord of their life, ever experiencing the greatness of God? Absolutely, that will happen. What's the qualifier? I've got to believe. I've got to believe what? According to the working of his mighty power, experiencing God's greatness means I have to believe in the authority that I possess as a believer. I have to believe in this authority. I have to possess this authority and walk in the authority. And my, my experience is limited by my expectation. I always, you know, I've said this statement and it still bears truth and bears repeating. Disappointment 
is the result of unmet ex. The result, have you ever heard that before? Disappointment is the result of unmet expectation. What's that mean? That means I was expecting something. I was expecting Kyle to be here at 5.30. I wasn't really, I promise. I wasn't expecting you to be. He's like, I just got off work, man. And he showed up at 6. I was disappointed because he didn't show up when I expected him to. We all have expectations that we carry through life that may or may not turn out the way that we expected. And I've always said that statement, and, and the thing that I want us to understand based on this verse is I have to have an expectation. I want us to look over at Ephesians chapter 3. I promise we'll pull all this together. We'll pull it all together. Ephesians chapter 3. Paul has another prayer. These are prayers. Uh, some have called them the, the Pauline prayers. And these are prayers that he's praying for the churches that he's planting. There, there's a prayer in Philippians. There's a prayer in Colossians. He's, he's praying for these individuals. And in verse 14, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, apparently this church needed a lot of prayer. And in verse 14, he says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to. You, you see this term according to? It means the same measure as or to the same degree. The same measure as or to the same degree. So according to the riches of his glory, God's glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, our inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Faith. Through faith. Christ dwelling in my heart is what? Limited by my expectation. Once again, we see it. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now here's the verse we want to look at. We've all seen it. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. God is an exceedingly abundantly God. That's where I have to start. That's where I have to begin, is that God wants more for me than I want for myself. God has more for me than I can even fathom. God has, has, is better than I can think, better than I can imagine. There's more to God, that, to, to his goodness and his greatness to be experienced than I can even uh, begin to understand. And he says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we what? Ask or think, that is expectation. That's expectation. People don't ask and people don't think unless they expect it. Unless there's an expectation attached to it. So the asking and the thinking is the application of expectation. I'm asking based upon my expectation. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm dreaming up, I'm thinking in my mind. And when I do that, I'm, I'm creating something to put my faith 
to, to attach my faith to. If it's sickness in your body and you ask for healing, you're asking for healing with an expectation at least that you'll, you'll receive healing. Whether we recognize God as a healer, whether we fully understand uh, uh, that concept, whether we, whether we know exactly how that's applied or how that comes to play in our lives, we are asking with an expectation. When we think, when we dream, when we vision or envision uh, things that God wants us to do or where God wants us to be, there's an expectation that it can happen. But then look at this. He says, according to the power that works in us. Now, this power is the second one that we identified, the authority. The authority. This isn't the effort. This isn't the dynamite, dynamic. This isn't the power of strength and effort. This is the power of authority in control. Once again, it says according to, meaning to the measure or to the degree, to the measure that I understand my position as the as an authoritative figure in the kingdom of God, the authority of the believer. That's where my expectation can be attached to if I do not have revelation of my authority, I cannot have an expectation of God's power. If I don't have a revelation of my authority, notice he says, according to the power that works where? In us. Why doesn't it say according to his power? Now to him, God, and he's able to do above all that we ask or think, according to, so my according to can create a limitation or my according to can create an expansion that God can operate in. And this is the according to, this is the expectation that I'm talking about because this is the issue is Many times, our expectation, we're called to live with an expectation. Faith is a confident expectation. But this faith, sometimes our expectation becomes God's limitation. And I'm going to show it to you in John chapter 11. Many times, our expectation can become God's limitation. Disappointment is the result of unmet expectation. That's true. But what we're finding out is maybe our expectation is creating a limitation. And in John chapter 11, and uh, let's just kick it off here with verse one. It says, now a certain man was sick Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So it's creating some context, creating an a image of the relationship that Jesus had for Mary and Martha 
and Lazarus. These aren't just random people. This isn't just some centurion coming saying, my, my servant's at home, uh, 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 you know, sick. Uh, you know, can you just speak a word uh, and heal him? This is, there's a relationship here. They, they knew each other. Therefore, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Read that again, verse four. It says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And you can replace the word sickness with any struggle or any issue that you may be having. That you can replace that word with financial struggle, marital issue, business going down, uh, relationship falling apart, uh, anxiety, depression, whatever. Whatever it is, it's not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Weird answer. All we needed was a yes or a no. Can I, can I put you down? Can I expect you tonight? Uh, you, you leaving now? Can I do anything for you? Uh, kind of a weird way to respond. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. So far, if I'm Martha, if I'm Mary, this isn't going according to my expectation. He loves me. He cares about us. We're close. We're tight. I know that he loves Lazarus. I know that he's going to be moved when, 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 when he hears that Lazarus is sick. And we know what he's capable of. We've seen the miracles. We've seen the signs. We've seen the healings. We've seen this is nothing for Jesus. If we can just get Jesus here, the expectation is he will be healed. And he loved them so much that he stayed where he was two more days. <laughs> but we'll get back to verse four in a minute. Verse seven says, then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you and you're going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him, he's referring to uh, uh, the, the disciples are referring to, you know, we're about six months out from Jesus's crucifixion here. Things are getting a little hostile uh, back in this territory. Bethany's just right outside that and, and heading back into this realm uh, could mean some possible danger. Last time we were there, Jesus, they were about ready to kill you. Are you sure that you want to go back there? But verse 11 he says, these things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. And then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. That's expectation. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, finally just gets down to the bottom of it. Lazarus is dead. 
No, he, it gets better. And I am glad. <laughs> Remember when we talked about how much Jesus loved? He's got a funny way of showing this now. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. There's Thomas's expectation. Expectations all over the place here. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, we're, we're at so many different ends of the spectrum right now, it's not even funny. And so Thomas is like, this is it. We're going to die too. You know, just being around this guy has nearly gotten us killed, so we're going to go out with him. Verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha said, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, uh, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. She was sitting in the house the last time Mary and Martha and Jesus got together. Mary was sitting around doing nothing while Martha was getting all the food ready. And um, verse 21, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What's that? Expectation. I'm, I'm pointing this out for you because I want you to see that what, what God can do can become limited to our expectation, that our expectation can either create this vast opening that God can operate in, or it can create these tight confines that God can create. The same expectation and the same faith that I should be using to believe God for the exceeding abundantly, the exceeding greatness. He wants to do more than we can even imagine. He wants, but, but if I confine my expectation to my idea of how it's gonna happen, when it's gonna happen, where it's gonna happen, who he's gonna use to make it happen, then I can become the limiting factor to seeing what God can really do in a situation. Anybody, just by show of hands, and it's okay, it's safe, it's Wednesday night, I wouldn't do this on a Sunday, but on Wednesday, anybody ever believe God for something and you didn't, it didn't exactly turn out the way you expected? Anybody? Look at all those hands. I think every single hand went up. Right? Believe God for healing, didn't get healed as quick as I thought, or maybe the person died and passed on. Maybe we were believing God for uh, some financial thing to, to, to work out and it, it didn't and, 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 and we, we had to battle through that. But, but look at this. Every single one of you are still here. Every single one of you still in church. I mean, not everybody is. There's plenty of scenarios that happen in people's lives where they give up on God. That's the moment where they say, that's it. Couldn't restore my marriage. What's the point of trusting in God? How can I reconcile this? And so, you know, Martha, she's struggling. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Why? Because we've seen you work miracles. We know you can do that. To this point, hadn't seen Jesus 
raise someone from the dead after four days. So there, there, we, we always will be approached with a miracle that's so personal to us that there's no precedence for it. Well, I know, I know he did that for you, but you don't understand my scenario. You don't, you don't understand my, my, my marital issues is, is greater than yours. And, and there's always a way that we can, we can isolate our struggle and, and further limit what we can really expect God to do. And so Martha's saying, if you'd have been here, if you'd have come when I called, if you would have been here, if you would have left the moment he wouldn't have died, you would have been able to save his life while he was still alive. But even now, verse 22, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. But watch this. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Isn't it amazing that we can take a word from God where he meant it one way, but we receive it another way? Because that's not what Jesus meant. Jesus didn't mean one day in the resurrection when we all are raised up. That's not what Jesus meant. He meant today you're gonna see the miracle working power of God. Today, you're gonna see the resurrecting ability that I possess. Today, you're gonna see it. But see, this is the thing, is when, when we allow our faith, our expectation to create and confine what God can do, we'll even take his word and we'll knock it down to what we can receive rather than rise up to what God is saying. I've done this in my own life plenty of times. Reduced God's word to, uh, to the confinements of what I can believe rather than rising, lifting up my faith, lifting up my hopes, lifting up my, my belief system, my expectation to what God's word really says, what God's word can really perform. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. See, Martha thought resurrection was an event. But Jesus said, no, resurrection is a person. I am the resurrection and the life. And this is what happened with Martha is she missed what was standing right in front of her. I mean, resurrection is not a day. It's not a moment. It's not an event. It's a person, and it's right here in front of you. See, what happens when we, we allow our expectation, that disappointment of unmet expectations, when I allow my expectation to dictate what God can do, ultimately what happens is God isn't performing for his purpose now he's performing for my preference. Because Jesus had already stated the purpose back in verse four. She wasn't there for it. She didn't hear him say it, but he made it very clear. This is why I'm hanging back two more days. This is why we're not leaving immediately. This is what is gonna happen. And it's not 
just to see someone raised. Jesus is zooming out so we can get the bigger picture. Jesus is trying to to lead her to a greater purpose, but many times our preference causes us to miss God's purpose. Really, for a lot of us, our faith, our expectation has really been our preference of telling God how he needs to perform what we need. And so when it doesn't happen along those lines, my expectations go unmet, disappointment becomes the result, and now that power that's working according to my faith, my ability to believe, my expectation, my faith becomes lower down to my expectation rather than my faith rising to his ability to perform. And so he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me. That's an odd thing to say to someone that believed that you would come here, you would heal, and now he's died. And now he's been in a tomb for four days and you're still asking us to believe. I mean, think about it. If you just believe. I tried that, Jesus. God is asking a lot of us to continue to believe, to continue to stand in faith, to continue to apply and still have an expectation. But maybe it's what we're putting our expectation in. Maybe it's, maybe it, it's, it's, it's how we're containing God's power versus releasing God's power. He says, he who believes in me Though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He's asking her. I need confirmation. And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. I remember Kenneth E. Hagin, when he came off the deathbed, age of 16 years old, all he had was a Bible. He didn't have healing scriptures. He didn't have authority of the believer. He didn't have all the stuff that we have. All he had was a Bible, and that's all you need. But he just kept reading that New Testament Bible. A little Baptist boy, didn't, you know, wasn't even filled with the Spirit, had no uh, idea that God could heal. He just had a Bible, so he was just reading the Bible and kept reading those verses, Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24, if you speak to the mountain. And so finally, he just you know, told God one day, he said, if you tell me that I don't believe this, I'd have to call you a liar. I've read this enough times, and you're, you say right here that if I, if I speak to the mountain, it'll be cast into the sea, that I shall have whatever I say. That's what your Bible says. That's what your word says. The Lord re- responded back to him and said, you do believe as far as you know. You do believe as far as you know. That's ultimately what's happening here with Martha. You do believe as far as you know. That's why our spirit, 
the eyes of our understanding must become enlightened. That's why we've got to be able to see something we've never seen before. That's why we've got to get the word uh, opened up to us. This doesn't come to people that casually want to approach the word. This doesn't come to people that hear someone preach a message a couple times and say, okay, I'll try that. There's no trying with faith. Faith is a confident expectation. Faith is a, is a confident belief. It's unwavering. It's steadfast. It's locked in. It's anchored. That's why we call it anchor faith because you faith is not faith if it's, if it's wavering. Uh, let a man, a double-minded man, let, he won't receive anything of the Lord, James says. Let him not think that he'll receive. That wavering, that back and forth. She believes as far as she knows. Yes, I believe that one day my brother will rise. One day he'll rise on that day of resurrection when, when all the saints rise up. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And um, we know how it goes. He ends up telling the individual standing around, roll away the stone. But Lord, he's been dead four days. Roll away the stone. And then if you skip on down to to verse, skip on down to verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who is dead. Lord, by this time there is a stench for he has been dead four days. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And take away the stone. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may, what? Believe that you sent me. This is the thing. You know, this is the passage up in verse 35 says, Jesus wept. People say, you know, Jesus was sad for Lazarus, sad that his friend Lazarus had died. Well, that's not the case because he knows what's about to happen. He wept for the people standing around in disbelief. Notice here in his prayer, he doesn't pray for Lazarus to rise. He doesn't say anything. He's not asking God, will you please heal Lazarus? He's not, that, that's not a part of this prayer at all. He's not praying about the problem. In verse 43, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes forth. He's talking to the problem, not praying about the problem. Many of us, we just spend more time praying about the problem than talking to the problem talking to the issue, talking to the challenge, right? How do you do that? Well, it's because he's exercising his authority. He's exercising the authority of the believer that we heard about in Ephesians chapter one and Ephesians chapter three, the believer's right in the earth as a citizen of the kingdom of God, as royalty, 
to be able to speak the word over situations and to be able to declare things. Uh, Romans chapter four says that we call those things to be not as though they were. Call those things that uh, be not as though they were. There's a, there's a calling forth. There's the speaking. That, that is, again, according to the measure of the understanding, the recognition that I have of my authority. We already saw that earlier. That his power working through me is limited by the recognition of my authority as a believer. But now we're seeing here that Jesus had a different reason and a different purpose for this miracle. If we go back to verse four, you ever watch a movie and you got all these different things that don't make any sense and then you get to the end of the movie and it's like, oh, that's why they did, that's why they went there. That's what that meant. That's who that was. All this stuff, all the pieces start coming together. I feel like that at the end of every Mission Impossible movie. That's how they all end for me, is just light bulbs start going off. And that's what's happening here. We get to the end, and then it's like, oh, wait a minute. So he knew that there was going to be a bunch of people standing around that didn't believe in who he was still. And he's coming to the close of his ministry, and he's getting ready to die on a cross. And so he needed them to believe that someone could rise again from the dead. Hello, that Jesus had resurrection power. That all this talk you've been talking about tearing down the temple and it will be built again in three days and I will rise again and and nobody believed him, nobody took him at his word. There was a bigger picture here. He's zooming out because verse four, John uh, John chapter 11, verse four, this sickness is not unto death, but for the what? The glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. That's the bigger picture. I know that we just want Lazarus to just be healed and be done with it. I know you want your situation, just God to just immediately come down and and do his thing according to your preference, according to your expectation, according to the level of faith that you're operating with, according to how big you can believe. But, But maybe there's another purpose. Maybe there's something else God's trying to get done. So go back to Ephesians chapter three. Go back to Ephesians chapter three. And look at verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So if you're not asking and you're not thinking, you're not giving God much to work with. So we as believers, we've got to be asking. We've got to be thinking. We've got to be expecting. We've got to have faith. We've got to apply faith. We've got to be believing that God is an exceedingly abundantly God above all that we ask or think according to the power, the authority that works in us. But there's a comma there. That's not a period. That means he's not done yet. Verse 21, to him be what? Glory in the church 
by Christ Jesus. Why is he an exceedingly abundantly God? Because he wants to be glorified. Why do I need to believe? Because he wants to be glorified. Why do I need to have an expectation? Because he wants to be glorified. Because God is going to receive the glory. If God did it your way every time, would it really demand faith? If God met our expectations every time, are we getting the glory or is he getting the glory? I I heard someone just today in a message that I was listening to while I was working out in the gym, I heard this message and he said that if God always met our expectations, he'd never have the opportunity to exceed our expectations. Could it be that our expectations are actually the confines, the box that we're trying to put God in. What what am I expecting? I'm expecting that through this situation, God will be glorified. That's my expectation. And I don't know how, and I don't know when, and I don't know where, and I don't even know why sometimes, but he has a greater purpose than my preference. Sometimes his purpose is greater than my convenience. Sometimes his purpose is greater than my comfort. And we have a time frame and we have an idea. We want faith like Abraham, but for Abraham waited 25 years. Looked like an idiot for 25 years talking about being a father of many nations. That's faith to continue to stand. And Romans chapter four even gives us insight that, that you know, in hope against hope, that, that he, you know, he went that route of trying to make it happen on his own. We all have these moments, but at the end of the day, the goal is not getting our miracle. The goal is giving God the glory. I said, the goal is not getting our miracle, getting our answer, getting our blessing. God is not this, uh, uh, end, you know, uh, 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 a means to an end. He is the end. He will receive the glory. He will receive the honor, regardless of the outcome, regardless of how we think it's supposed to transpire. God is after something greater than our convenience and our comfort. He's after glory. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. I want this to help our faith tonight. I want this to encourage our faith tonight. I want this to strengthen our faith tonight. Yes, you need to live with expectation. Yes, you need to live with a belief system. Yes, you need to have an according to. Know the measure of your authority. Speak and live out that authority that you have as a believer in Christ Jesus. Pray these prayers over yourself. You can pray these prayers. You can insert your name into these prayers and pray them every single day over yourself. That what? That my spirit will be enlightened. That my eyes will be open. The, uh, that the, the, the understanding and the spiritual wisdom and the spiritual revelation that I'll be strengthened with might in my inner man. We need to be speaking that over our lives. But when it comes to faith and when it comes to expectation, let's not allow our expectation to create a limitation for God to move. I don't want my expectation to be A to Z and, and, and God, you've got to work in here. I don't want to create this box. And, 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 and many times, many times, God will stretch you beyond your expectation.
Be prepared for the stretch. Be prepared. Be prepared. That means everything else is up to him. It's up to him. It's up to him who he wants to use. It's up to him how he wants to do it. It's up to him when he wants to do it. I don't, I don't worry and become concerned about those issues, those scenarios, those ideas. Those, I, I can't be moved by that. I have to keep my eye on the goal, ultimately knowing that however the outcome comes, he will receive the glory. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's message. If there is any message that you have missed or you just want to hear again, they are all available for free on iTunes. Just search Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified once the new messages are available. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our church and what we have available for you and your family, or if you'd like to donate financially to the ministry, be sure to visit our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.